0: friends, and welcome to Love, Hate, Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Boel. And I'm
1: Alex Ruiz, and today we are here to tell you how to live your lives in that order.
0: Whether we brighten your day or what's the other one? Shut
1: shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. We changed the format. We're workshopping new intros. I'm currently just cutting our old intro, but still adding on the in that order part because I thought it would be funny. You made me deconstruct my joke. Fuck you, Andy.
0: Okay. I won't do it again. (laughs)
1: I I was told by um, a friend of ours who is a listener that uh, after he listened to our Pirates of the Caribbean episode, how much he enjoyed the rage and how funny the rage that I induced uh, that I just threw at you. Anyone Um,
0: who remembers you from high school or your like early college days knows that rage was your
1: brand. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because I feel like. I am like, okay, you're around me and you knew me back then. I feel like rage is less of my brand now and more it's just like, uh, yes. yeah, now it's just more like, uh, I, I like to think of it as a stoic indignation, but what would you call it? I
0: mean, yeah, I, I would say a mostly stoic indignation. You have this habit of being more performatively like teasing in large settings, I've noticed. Mm. Um, Performatively the, teasing. The, the thing of it is, is the rage is like when a, a, a beloved actor leaves a sitcom and then they come back for a couple random episodes in season six and you're like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> I love that character. Okay. Brendan Fraser's back.
1: Oh, that episode didn't end well, Andy, when he came <laughs> back. Like, that didn't end well at all. And rarely does your
0: rage question mark? I don't know, we've lost the plot. (laughs) No, I mean yeah, I I would say rage is no longer your brand, but and I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before or not. Like the day we met, the first the, the the week we met, one of the first interactions I had with you. You kicked me as hard as you possibly could in the shins while wearing steel-toed boots in some sort of juvenile display of dominance over me.
1: Yeah, that sounds like me in high school. So that and mooning
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow, I wasn't a good person, Andy.
0: I mean, who who is in high school? You know
1: what? That's fair. Um, this is this is a weird random tangent. Uh, an old uh, someone we went to high school with back in the day. Or no, I don't think you ever actually knew her, because I think you started the year after she graduated. But, um, (laughs) this is so dorky. The uh, drama club historian, the year that I was a sophomore in high school, did a whole like video of uh, one of our shows. We We did a production of Medea. Right. And like, Literally, she recorded this whole thing and all this footage for a video and it never got made into a video. And then randomly, like a month or two ago, I guess she found the footage and decided to actually edit it together. And it's like a 20 minute retrospective on this show. And the running gag in it is, I don't like having the camera in my face. So I yell, Sean Penn moment and pretend to punch the camera person who was her brother um, the entire time. And I'm looking back at this and I'm like, okay, I see why I thought this was a funny joke when I was 16. But looking back on it, I'm like, damn, I really wish I'd given like one human moment in this. Like even just one, but no, it's just me doing the Sean Penn moment joke literally like eight times. And then um, at one point you overhear me uh, jokingly threatening to um, hollow out somebody's skull and put candles in the eyes. I I had a brand in high school. You did have a brand in high school. Uh. I kind
0: of love that you have that little time capsule moment. I, I desperately wish that any of the uh, historians for the plays in my years had done something similar. I think there is like a 10-minute little mini-doc on, on our performance of Cats.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: Um. But no, the only claim to fame any high school drama club historian in my years has is uh, one of them is a Tony-nominated Met Gala-attending, like, (laughs) capital-A actor, so Uh,
1: shout-out to Jeremy Pope. Yeah? No, shout-out to Jeremy Pope. He he was a—I mean, I never interacted with him nearly as much as you did, but I remember him being pretty chill, pretty cool. I'm very happy for his success.
0: Indeed. Speaking of famous people.
1: Oh, shut the fuck up.
0: Well, you brought this up.
1: Yeah, no, I brought this up.
0: You brought this up moments before recording. You're just looking on your computer and you go, huh?
1: Yeah, so for some reason, Gabriel Iglesias now follows me on Twitter. I don't know why. Like, and maybe it's because Twitter's a sinking ship. I haven't tweeted on there much. I have a theory that it's because I was tweeting about Bill Hicks. Yeah. And he had this whole – he was apparently in the midst of this thread discussing with people about, like, favorite comedians. And Bill Hicks was, like, somewhere in that discussion. And I I tweet about Bill Hicks probably more than is uh, healthy for <laughs> – considering he died, like, what – 25 years ago yeah something like that yeah i know but like i still love him tremendously and i go back to his stuff all the time even the stuff that hasn't aged well and some of it has not aged well
0: sure i mean i don't know maybe gabriel iglesias is a fan on your stance on uh, how the fbi murdered martin luther king
1: i mean that's not a stance that's a documented fact that is verifiable via the memphis court system if you think I'm, uh, if you think I'm espousing a con- uh, conspiracy theory, please Google the trial that the King family, uh, the 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 suit that the King family brought against the FBI, which was a civil suit and therefore no charges, no criminal charges were ever brought against the FBI. But uh, Memphis court did deign that there was sufficient evidence to state that the FBI conspired to kill Martin Luther King. We live in a fucked up country. I
0: <laughs> mean. For real.
1: I mean, yeah, but you
0: know, maybe that's why he followed you. Who, who's to say? Who is to say? Gabriel Iglesias, famously
1: apolitical. Yeah. Like, like you get the idea with Gabriel Iglesias that he's like, yeah, no, like I'll I'll do a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton and I'll make fun of Donald Trump and and the occasional Republican politician, but I'm not gonna spend much time on it, like. I'm going to spend more time talking about how much my stepson loves cake.
0: I mean... We almost maintain our brands.
1: Uh, you know what? Yeah, and, and <laughs> my, mine is mine is former rage, and his is cake.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of brand, should we get started?
0: Yes, our brand on love hate relationship is to spend the first couple minutes talking about just whatever we want, kind of ease you into the hot tub that is this show before we get into the meat of the episode. And, and as you alluded to earlier. Um, with our, our new format, the meat of every other episode is to just spend the entire time talking about the internet's relationship questions, which is what we're going to do today.
1: As a vegetarian, I resent your uh, characterization of it all as meat, but the, here we go.
0: The, the tempeh of it all.
1: <laughs> okay, you know what? That was funny. I'll give you that one. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, today's episode, we got uh, relationship advice, and here's an interesting thing. We've been pulling them off of uh, curated Twitter accounts, which effectively um, we're pulling from uh, our relationship advice and our Am I the Asshole, and just picking, like, the best ones and throwing them up on this Twitter account with screenshots. Um, those accounts have sadly stopped updating, probably because Twitter is a shit show. Indeed. But, um, it was a shit show I was comfortable with, so now I have to have Reddit open on my, uh, on my computer, which I don't like. I don't like having Reddit open on my computer, Andy. At least until we figure out Mastodon. Or, what's the other one? Blue Sky? Uh, yeah, I think so. Social media is stupid, y'all. I, I'm just on Instagram at this point. Fair. Ugh.
0: But, yes, you have to have Reddit on a computer, which you don't like, and we are pulling our questions from R Am I the Asshole and our Relationship to Advice today. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, do you want to start or shall I?
0: Yeah, I've got one pulled up here um, that just kind of really intrigued me. This is coming from our Relationship Advice. The question is, My ex-girlfriend is furious I lied to her about my real income and benefits during our relationship. Did I do the right thing? Um, Our question to asker states that English is not their first language and apologizes for any grammar mistakes. We have a 28-year-old man who is legally blind with some remaining vision left. Basically, they describe it as like looking through clouds. That is the level of blind that, that they are. I make six figures from rental properties, investment, and disability benefits. I also have a connection with a premium airline that allows me to have significant discounts on any flight and accommodation. Anyways, I met my ex-girlfriend, 26, let's call her Jen, through a mutual friend, and I found her to be very sweet and caring. Our friendship grew closer, and we started dating. She knew I was legally blind, and I asked her if she was sure as I might be too reliant on her. She took her time to think about it and said yes. Due to my past relationships, where I had been taken advantage of, I decided not to disclose my real income and flight benefits. I only told her my income was around fifty k and that I own one rental property. Our relationship was great, and I made sure not to be too reliant on her, but she insisted on helping me whenever I struggled navigating around places and ordering food. To reward her for being a great partner... Like I, that.
1: Don't like that. Yeah,
0: hate that immediately... I bought her luxury gifts and overseas trips together. She was very happy, which also made me happy. However, after six months of dating, she suddenly told me she realized she wanted to have an independent partner and did not want to be seen as someone who was dating a blind person. So she broke up with me. I was heartbroken, but I understood. Fast forward to four months later. I invited four close friends of mine on a trip to Japan as a way to move on and spend quality time with friends. All flights and accommodations were paid by me. The trip happened last week and we had a good time. My friends were very accommodating to me and grateful for my generosity. Jen found out about the trip from Instagram stories posted by one of my close friends. She asked my friend about it and they told her that I paid for the whole trip and that's when she found out I have flight benefits and I make more than I originally told her. She called me to confront me about it saying if I told her the truth she would have stayed with me.
1: I don't love that. Nope.
0: I explained to her that I had been taken advantage of in the past and that I did not want to be treated the same again. She was angry and said she's not that kind of person and that I will never find a partner ever, then hung up. My friend said she's clearly a gold digger. I forgave my friend who told Jen because they thought she knew. I questioned myself whether or not keeping my high-income flight benefits secret was the right thing to do and if I should be honest about it in any future potential relationship. A part of me tells me she's only angry I lied to her in the whole relationship. It is hard to be in a relationship as a blind person, and I rather spend my time with quality friends.
1: End statement. Okay, so we need a name for this person. Do we want to go with the "I'm rich and hit it" route, or do we want to go with the "I'm blind" I'm blind route? What, what do you have for both? <laughs> I mean, the "I'm blind" route. I'm sitting here like I don't know, Matt Murdock, uh, who's admittedly broke his shit, but and like, does
0: lie about kind of blindness.
1: Uh, I mean you know yeah and then as for the, I, I don't know that I have one for the other one I feel like there has to be some some piece of media where there's just somebody who like oh what's oh what the fuck's the name of the dude from Crazy Rich Asians
0: oh god I have no idea
1: Nick Young supposedly I've not Young. seen the
0: movie I have
1: seen the movie okay cool Nick Young from Crazy Rich Asians I, that's my vote all right let's go for it all right so we've got Nick and uh, Constant Wu's character is Rachel.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So Nick Young, so we got Nick and Rachel. Oh, they're the landlords of the most expensive city in the world. These people are so posh and snobby, they're snoshy. Ew. <laughs> yeah, but Nick's not like that. Do uh, you read so I can start? But
0: yes, and, and before that, just real quick, I can't quite place it on why. But I don't think any of this actually happened.
1: I also doubt that this happened. Um, So this is gonna be more an an exercise in this,
0: what we're agreeing is, is a hypothetical. We have
1: always understood that when we pull questions from anyone except for you, our lovely audience, they might be made up. Indeed. Uh, we we have accepted that from the word go on this podcast. And if you don't like that, please submit your questions to us. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. That's the only solution.
1: So starting out here, we got Nick and we've got Rachel. I'm going to be up front. I don't think anyone's a good person in this. Off the bat, Nick, I will say this. I am not actually upset at you for holding back on communicating how much how much you make exactly i think that um i do question the outright lie of being like i make 50k and i only own one rental property it's like no you can like there is room for being a little more vague in your relationships and you know deciding at which point you want to open up your information um And a lot of that comes down to how committed you wanted to be with that particular partner. But you shouldn't feel obligated to disclose that when you're casually dating someone. It's been so long
0: since I've casually dated someone where, like, I'm sitting here being like, is money even something that necessarily needs to come up in the first couple of months
1: i mean definitely not in your first few dates again i think for me it comes down to at what point do you get serious Mm. obviously what do you do for a living is a pretty normal like early question in dating right um but you know you're not exactly exchanging w4 information at that point sure um so, again, like your your lie there is weirdly specific, but I'm not sure it's inherently problematic. Um, it is problematic that you're like, to reward her for being such a good part. Like, that is fucked up, dude. You, yeah. you, you definitely have some weird shit about money. I do think that Rachel is also kind of fucked up for being like, hey, I would have stayed with you if you had told me that you... Had these resources it is fucked up that like she told you the reason she broke up with you is like I don't want to be seen as someone who dates a blind person like that is that is ableist as shit that is cruel that is not okay there is room in this world for like for legitimately being the person who says listen in this relationship I don't think that I can handle the responsibilities that would come with caregiving. For someone who has certain struggles long term, early in a relationship, that is, that is a fair thing. It sucks and it's uncomfortable, but it is a fair thing. But her being like, "I don't, I, I want a more independent partner," eh, not great, but understandable. And I don't want to be perceived as someone who dates a blind person. Fuck you, Rachel. Shitting. You're you're not a good person. Yeah. And you're not a good person when you're sitting here like I like. When you're sitting here going, I would have stayed with you if I had known this. I don't know if Rachel is a gold digger. I do think that Rachel clearly has some fucked up views around both disability and dependency. Um, You ask one specific question of, did you do the right thing by lying about your real income and benefits during your relationship? And I would probably say you did... I don't think there is a clear right or wrong. You did an understandable thing. Admittedly, not in the most ideal way because you did outright lie in a very specific fashion. Um, but I don't think you're – I don't think you're a good dude. And I don't think she was a good person either. So I'm glad you two broke up. And I I hope you find someone uh, who works for you. But yeah, no. Um. Maybe adjust your approach to this and adjust your approach to money and relationships in general. Andy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I by and large agree. It's We're, we're dealing with a, a financial class tier thing as well when, when you go, no, 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 I'm going to say I only make 50K and have a rental property, and that's my, like, I, I don't actually make any money cover-up. That's that's still like substantial for for 50k and disability benefits and owning a rental property and making passive income off that is like just that sets you apart as it is. Um, I do think by the letter of the situation, Rachel is in fact a gold digger. I think the the idea, the insinuation that... I could have handled dating a blind man if it was a rich blind man. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that is shit. That is absolute shit. That's, that's just gross. That is gold digger behavior. Um, but also, uh, yeah, just to repeat your point, the the inclusion of oh, I, I give her little gifts and trips as a reward for being a partner that that's a weird like you don't have an accurate perception of people and money and how those things coincide um like i said before i i kind of don't have an accurate sense of when talking about this would be a make or break they were only together for 6 months but yeah i think i don't think nick is an asshole for not disclosing the accuracy of their financials. I think the outright lie is weird and they're a little bit of in the wrong for how they view relationships really yeah it it does I do catch that it almost sounds at the end like Nick is just kind of deciding yeah relationships aren't for me. I'd rather just have like my friends and and go out and do stuff with friends and that might be. At the end of the day, the best way to go, at least until Nick can do some work and, like, come to understand the human benefits of a relationship not being a rewards-based policy.
1: There is a thing that um, has been psychologically studied that people who are financially rich, not even just well-off, but rich... Um, struggle with finding genuine human connections romantically and non-romantically because it's often viewed as um, or, or they do often run into people who are with them for the money like that is a noted phenomenon and it causes a lot of people to decide to withhold a lot of that information i'm not saying there's anything wrong with you withholding some of that information it's also your business like it is your business how much money you make no It's just a question of at what point, there is a point where if you're dating someone seriously, um, you know, there are things you start to disclose about yourself. It's just, you need to have a line, Nick, where you go, all right, at what point am I considering this seriously? Uh, what, and, and you have to disentangle the idea of money in relationships, as as Andy put it, as this rewards-based system. That's fucked up.
0: I think there's room for just some honesty and vulnerability by you could just say, yes, yeah, so I, I make this much money. I have this and this. And in the past, I feel like I have absolutely been, like, used for my money. So I'm very, like, cautious about that. And please just understand this is the situation I'm in, but I, I'm guarded and I'm trying to make sure I find somebody who loves me for me. Yeah. That doesn't even leave any room for embarrassment to admit that you're just being open and honest and real and upfront. Yeah. So. All right. With any future relationships, that straightforwardness would be my advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You ready to move on to the next one? Because I got a doozy. Yeah! Alright, this is also from uh, Our Relationships Advice Uh, and I apologize, it's a slightly longer one, but uh, we'll try and get through it. We'll try and get through the question asking fairly quickly because I think it'll be a good conversation. Partner, 28 year old female, wants an abortion. I, 33 year old male, am devastated. Mm. Your face right now. (laughs) Um, My wife and I have been together for almost six years, married one year. A while ago, my wife and I had a conversation that if we were to accidentally get pregnant, we would just accept the consequences and raise the kid as we both have always wanted kids. This was apparently a casual, non-serious conversation to my wife, parentheses, she now says, but it always seemed serious to me. About a year ago, we started to play things a bit looser as far as using protection and switched to using the Natural Cycles app, which uses timing of her cycle and her body temperature to predict when she's not fertile. Uh, Catholics called that the uh, rhythm method. (laughs) And you know what you call Catholics who use the rhythm method, right? Parents. Parents. Uh, Fast forward and we're pregnant. It was a surprise. She wants an abortion. I definitely do not. I respect that it's her body and her decision, but I can't help but feel it's the wrong decision for us. I feel misled by her in the conversation we had about pregnancy. For the last two years, we've talked about having children regularly, talking about baby names on a pretty regular basis. I had some moments of despair in my worldview and questioned whether I did want children, but always returned to the strong convi- conviction that I did want them. My wife has consistently wanted children, but struggles with anxiety surrounding the issue of motherhood, likely as a consequence of being raised by an abusive mother. That's context. Um, and fears of not being mentally ready to be a mom. She also recently graduated from grad school and is essentially starting her remote work career now. We recently moved to a new state two months ago and don't know tons of people out here. We have a few good friends, but we don't have as much social support as we used to. Financially, we can support children. My wife feels that she is about three years away from having a child. This feels like ages to me. I am feeling old already. Shut the fuck up. She has been saying she's three to five years away from the last for the last two to three years. My feeling is that many people never really feel ready to have kids. And knowing my wife, she will never feel fully ready. I worry that my wife's decision is mostly fear and anxiety driven. She has always been a pessimist and very often makes situations out to be far worse than they are. This has been going on since I've known her. I worry about resentment I might develop towards her for having this abortion. I question her decision when she says she wants to have kids in two to three years, but not right now. I guess the difference seems not very significant. But we are pregnant now, so why not go with it? Otherwise, we will always wonder about this one, this pregnancy, and what could have been. From a relationship standpoint, I struggle to understand how we can have a sex life again after this. I also don't think I will be in a state of mind to chat again about having kids for a long time after an abortion, as this is very painful for me. I know that it is her decision at the end of the day. It doesn't change the fact that this is tremendously painful for me. I want to be a dad so bad, but here we are having an abortion. How can I deal with these emotions? How do I preserve my relationship with my wife? It's hard to imagine us weathering the store without, storm without some deep scars. I'm worried I will never see her the same way again. How do I prevent my heart from growing bitter? Please advise, thank you.
0: Okay. You know how to pick them.
1: Yeah, I do. All right, we need a name. Partner who's had an abortion. Was that a, Walt, was that a Walter White, uh, Skyler White plot point at one point?
0: Oh, it might have been. I, yeah. I famously stopped watching Breaking Bad in season two. <laughs> uh,
1: well, okay, so I know uh, Godfather 2, Michael, and, oh God, what was Diane Keaton's character's name? Uh, fuck, why is this, bo- this bothers me. Uh, Michael, played by Al Pacino, and Kay, mm. played by Diane Keaton. There is uh, a plot point there where she has an abortion with that he doesn't agree with.
0: I, I can I can grok making this Michael Corleone.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's also, uh, I have opinions about this dude, but, um... Yes.
0: I think that's why I can grok comparing him to a mafioso.
1: You know what? Fair enough. In time, you'll feel differently. You'll be glad I stopped you now. Uh, so I read, do you want to get started?
0: Yeah. Um, boy. I appreciate the repeated comment that there is acknowledgement that it is Michael's wife's decision, that it is Kay's decision. Because at the end of the day, it sure as shit is. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate a husband. You, I, I hate when people do the whole "oh, we're pregnant" yeah thing. Yeah. You're not pregnant. Your wife is pregnant. You are you are there and you contributed, but you are not pregnant. The biggest thing, and this is why I kind of I, I, I kind of like the Michael Corleone thing, is there is a complete lack of acknowledgement to the concept and idea of non biological children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says he wants children so badly, and yet it doesn't seem to come up as an idea of adopting in a few years or anything like that and if if michael's follow-up would be well no i really want the child to be mine fuck you fuck that (laughs) that is a disgusting toxic paternalistic my legacy must come from my loins
1: non-biologically related children are equally valid to biologically related children and if you don't agree with that statement you are an asshole
0: yes absolutely um, so that's the biggest thing. And just, I, I mean, shit, dude. Like, the most empathy I have is to say, okay, you've been very clear that you want kids. If we want to split hairs here, you're still within any timeline your wife has set. You said three to five years. She's been saying it for two to three years. That gives you, like, a couple years of leeway before you can go, ha you were lying to me, if you feel the need to. And I... I don't love it sounds like there's already some resentment and some anxiety over whether or not Kay will ever have kids and the idea that Kay is too mentally fragile and anxious for children you you pointed it out in in the reading there's some history of of maternal abuse in Kay's life and that will absolutely color Mm -hmm. the fears and everything but like it takes a village is the cliche. Mm-hmm. But the, at the end of the day, if one of the parents is sitting there being like, no, I am not going to be a good parent. I do not feel like I can do this. That's a pretty clear warning sign not to move ahead, at least not at this time. Yeah. So I I have a, a little bit of sympathy for Michael. I, I think there probably will be some hard conversations, maybe even some scars, but... I also think Michael isn't looking at the full like picture of his situation with empathy and understanding and other fucking options beyond forcing his wife to have a baby that yeah. she does not want to have.
1: Yeah. I will give Michael this. Um because I don't hear I I I I hear grief in, sure. this, in this message and in, in, in what he's written here. And here's, and here's something we don't talk about enough. Uh, and I only know about this because of, like, the very, like, I, I have facilitated discussions about abortion. Um, and, uh, and something that doesn't get talked about enough because so much of the time we're having the rabid debate about whether or not abortion is even okay. It is okay to have an abortion and have grief about it. It's okay to be feel it's okay to have an abortion and feel overjoyed, relieved, and happy about it. But it's okay to feel grief. There is a reason why in abortion clinics they then wheel you to a room that has like tissues and soft music and often grief counselors. Because it's okay to have grief over an abortion. Michael, it's okay for you to experience grief at this particular situation. It is not okay for you to take that grief out on Kay because Kay is going to have her own emotional experience about it. And because it is Kay's body, her emotional experience is going to be more in-depth than yours, period. But it is okay for you to have that grief. It's okay for you to go see a therapist or counselor or... Um, Even just lean on your own support system and process that. It's okay for you to look out for how you can deal with that. That, That's okay, Michael. There's nothing wrong with that. There is a lot here, though, that you need to question about yourself. Mm -hmm. For one thing, you say that you're 33 and you're like, I already feel so old. Like, "Ah, fuck you, dude. Like, honestly. Come on, you're 33, she's 28. There's time.
0: A a brother-in-law once, like, told me I'm so glad I had kids while I'm still, like, physically fit enough to play with them. And that, that, I'm seeing some parallels here. I
1: I have an attitude towards that question, and it is... I've been told it, it's a little bit problematic, but if you're worried that you're not, if you're worried that you won't be in shape to play with your kids when you're 40, get in fucking better shape. Yeah. I will write you the program my own self, <laughs> you son of a bitch. Like, and, and, and that's the thing. It's just like 33 is not that old. I'm 33 and I've chosen not to have children. My, my, I and my partner have decided we are not having children. But I have no qualms running around with my nieces and nephews. I'm very comfortable with the physicality of that. And you know what? I I think I will still be capable of doing that in my 40s. My parents were 30 and 31 when they had their first kid. They were 35 and 36 when they had their second kid. Did I roll around with my dad? Like a little bit, but admittedly he struggled with that, but I still had a perfectly happy fucking childhood as far as you know that aspect of life was concerned yeah like you are neither of you is too old you are just too immature yeah
0: there's um there is a lot of acknowledgement of social circumstances that Kay is going through without like Finishing that thought completely as to them being valid reasons for Kay to not want to have a child at this moment. Yeah. Kay is just now starting a career that she obviously worked her ass off by going to college and then grad school.
1: And you acknowledge that y'all just moved to a place where you don't have a great support system. Yeah, Like, there is... Kay is absolutely... and, And let me be clear. If Kay's only reason was... I don't want to have a kid right now, that would be all of the reason necessary. On top of that, Kay has all of these additional reasons. And I know you have this thing where you're like, we want kids eventually and you know, you're pregnant now, so why not now? It's not a furniture sale, dude. It's not you sitting here going like, well, I get my Christmas bonus at the end of the year but this Memorial Day sale is where they're clearing out this one couch that we really want that fits perfectly that's going to be discontinued after this is on sale can we just ride the credit card for the next seven months like it's not a furniture sale although
0: clearly he believes his body is a furniture sale
1: if you're that concerned about it and you say you can financially afford kids fucking freeze your sperm you asshole that's a good point like that that uh, I'm just sitting here like this is this is a man who has clearly never questioned his cultural programming. Mm. And and that's the point. Like he's clearly got enough correct that he understands his wife's bodily autonomy. But he hasn't taken the step of acknowledging his own experience of grief. He has this strange but not strange, but he has this very old fashioned notion of like, I need to be a certain age by the time I have kids or it won't be fun or it won't be okay. There are people who have their first kid when they're in their forties there. Is, and, and, and let me be clear. If you have your first kid in your forties, if, if the person who is carrying said pregnancy is in their forties, there is a statistically significant increase in risk for the pregnancy. Mm. But if that person is uh, individually healthy, that difference is minuscule. We are talking between a 10 and 20% increased chance of complications during delivery or pregnancy. That ain't shit. And even then, even if there are complications, if you monitor them well, if you have an OBGYN who is working with you and knows what the fuck that they are doing and you care for that pregnancy appropriately, you have very little risk of any problems for yourself or for said child. Sure. You can handle this mindfully. Your wife has experienced some pretty intense traumas. And it's okay for, it's also okay for someone to be like, I think I want kids in the next five years. And then those five years come and they go, I really don't think I'm ready. I think I need more time. Yeah. People change over time. People change over the years. I have known people who have said since they were children, I never want kids. And then one day in their like early to mid thirties, they go, oh my God, I think I want kids. And then they start having kids and it, 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 it's it's the opposite ship. Your wife may decide she never wants to have kids and that might be something you need to think about but you need to have more patience than this, you 33-year-old child.
0: And that's clearly, at the. we didn't really address it yet, but that's clearly, in my opinion, what Michael is actually afraid of. Mm. Michael is afraid that in another couple of years his wife is going to say, you know what, no, I really don't want children when michael is positive in this moment that he does
1: yeah and i might be in the minority about this i do think that if you have differing views on children i think that is a valid reason to end a relationship yeah um and i'm willing to argue that point with with anybody who who has a question on that because i've had people vehemently disagree with me on that um you know, if that's if that's the case, and you know, Kay tells you that it is maybe worth you having a sober conversation with her, maybe at the end of that two three year period, uh, or that five year period, and say, listen, we talked about this, and you said three to five years. I feel like you've been pushing this back. Can I ask you a question? And it's okay if you don't have an answer right now in this conversation. But can I ask you a question? Do you think you ever will? And if she says no, I don't think I ever will. Or she takes time to think about it. And she comes back and she says, no, I don't think I want children. It's okay at that point for you to make the assessment for the rest of your life. Yeah. And then by that point, okay, you'll be in your mid-30s. I I guarantee you, your jizz will keep, dude. Michael
0: specifically asked, how do I prevent my heart from growing bitter? And I think the only way out is through. Yep. You, there is going to be a storm. There's probably going to be some scars, but this is your wife. This is ostensibly the person you love so much and saw something in that you were like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. Let's go through a ceremony. Let's go through a commitment. Let's go through all that. And remember that person you fell in love with who is your partner and get into the shit with them and have these conversations and be prepared for the answers and think about your other options, be it doing this later after you both are a little bit more on your feet socially and in her job or looking at adoption if, if that is something you're both into. There are options and the way you don't uh, have your heart grow cold and bitter is to just try and... Focus on the person who is your family right now.
1: Yeah. And a family can be two people. Yeah. It absolutely can be. One more point. You don't say this in here, but I feel it worth mentioning for the audience. If any of you ever grew up being told that if you have an abortion, it'll make you infertile later in life, that is a lie. That is patently untrue. And a tremendous number of people who get abortions in K's age range go on to have children without any issues later on in life. It is a what is one of the safest procedure medical procedures in existence. It is safer statistically than birth. More people die in childbirth than die having an abortion, both in actual terms and uh, in uh, statistics. So all right, you got one? <laughs>
0: I got one. I feel like we need something a little lighter, fair. You want
1: to do the one about poisoning?
0: I I, I saw that one. No, I I, I want to talk about that one next. But but first, we're going to go over to Am I the Asshole? All right. Um, And I've got one here. Am I the Asshole for being upset over a friend pouring a full can of water into my bolognese and then complaining about it not having enough taste? So a culinary question here.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, hit me.
0: I was at a friend's house to prove that you can make a good vegetarian bolognese where her roommate was also invited. I went out on all the ingredients and even made a practice one at home just to be sure. I thought it tasted fantastic, so I was ready to go at it. And just for anybody listening, a a bolognese is like a spaghetti sauce. Yes, with meat in it. Usually, yeah. Yeah. So this is a vegetarian bolognese. Um, I must have spent an hour simmering it, adding spices, cutting garlic into the thinnest slices ever, etc. My friend then fills the used tomato can with water and just pours it in to get the last of it out, in quotes. In my opinion, it was ruined. They agreed and said it was tasteless, except that it wasn't because of the water. It must have always been tasteless. The recipe itself must have been tasteless. Friend and roommate then start making a new bolognese, because obviously I'm wrong. They use the ingredients I bought while the roommate laughs a little, saying, Sorry for just taking over, smiley face. I'm not super talkative and leave after dinner, saying I'm too tired and have work the next day anyway. Didn't help that they kept saying how good it was after they made a new one and how impressed they were over that they made such a good sauce in only 20 minutes. My friend texts me a couple days later and says I owe them an apology for making dinner awkward. Yeah, this is, of course, my side of the story, even though I feel like I wasn't talkative. I don't doubt my aura must have given off an awkward vibe. I'm not looking for an apology for them, just some acknowledgments that, and in all caps, OF COURSE YOU'RE GOING TO LOSE A LOT OF FLAVOR IF YOU DILUTE IT WITH WATER! This is lighthearted. Unless I am the asshole? Okay, so we need a name for this person. Remy the rat. <laughs> you know, I'm not mad about yeah. that. Good old Ratatouille reference.
1: So what's wrong with having highly developed senses? Whoa, 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 don't eat that! What's going on here? Turns out that funny smell was rat poison. Remy from Ratatouille. So I guess that would make the other two, uh what, Linguini and... What, what was the other...
0: Janine Garofalo. <laughs> so, I do not remember that character's name.
1: Oh, God. I can look it up real quick. Colette. Okay. So we got Colette, Linguini, and of course our asker is Remy. Okay. All right. You read. So here's my point. Remy, I don't think you are an asshole for being upset about the full can of water in the Bolognese. And I don't think it's wrong of you to point out, hey, it's tasteless because you poured in the water. And they can disagree and be like, well, it was always tasteless. And the response to that is, did you taste it when it was completed, according to my recipe? No. Yeah. Um, It does kind of suck that Linguini and Colette just kind of took over and were like, this is so good and we did such a good job with it. With the ingredients that you had bought and you ducked out like and I get that you ducked out and I get why you ducked out. You sound kind of socially awkward. Um, I, I I am with you in that. Um, your friend saying that you should apologize for making the dinner awkward. That's kind of fucking weird. And I don't love that. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't apologize. I would just be like. No, I left because I was uncomfortable. Y'all created a situation in which I was uncomfortable because I didn't feel listened to. This might be a good space for a dialogue with them.
0: Yeah.
1: Because you can tell them something like, hey, I really didn't appreciate your comments about it being tasteless, not because of the water. Um, I, I worked hard to make this recipe what it was, and you deviated from it in a way that... Really I think messed with it and then you used ingredients that I brought which and didn't really talk to me about it Um, and I understand I'm socially awkward and and didn't really talk it up in the moment, but This really hurts my feelings and I would like to I, I don't need an apology but I feel the need to communicate that like it's worthwhile to extend the olive branch, but to get at your basic question, I don't think you're an asshole for being upset. I don't think you're an asshole, period. I do think you're not handling the situation particularly well. Sure.
0: I yeah, I don't think Remy is the asshole. I do think Collett and Linguini are assholes. Couple of things. Um This situation started because there was a debate over whether or not one can make a good vegetarian bolognese. There's a disagreement between Remy and Linguini, presumably. Linguini says it's impossible to make it good without having meat. So there is a preconceived bias against the dish, even if prepared correctly. Um, And then to just randomly throw in the the tomato can's worth of water and be like, I'm helping, is shitty? Yeah. There, there, there's a very key distinction here, and that is the location. You're in Linguini's kitchen. You're in Linguini's apartment. You are making the dish, and if you were at your apartment, And they start messing around in your kitchen. That's when I would say you can get the fuck out. That is rude. That is disrespectful. It's already rude and disrespectful for them to like go, well, that sucked. Our turn now. But the only context I can say that that is at least kind of justifiable is it is their kitchen. It's shitty that they were like, well, clearly you you can't cook. This sucks. Let's go and make ours. Oh my God, this is so good, and it was so quick. Um, so that's just shitty in and of itself. Um, I I hear what you're saying about the social awkwardness. I'm sure that your aura was giving off a weird vibe. My aura would be giving off a weird vibe. Yeah. It's the the dialogue you could have is to just stick to your guns and state you did not actually eat the food as I intended it because you altered the recipe because you altered the recipe. It did not taste good. Mm-hmm. Um, And be prepared for them to fight back on you on that. Cause it sounds like that's exactly what happened in the first place. And that could become a dialogue of like, listen, the whole point of this was for me to be able to cook something from you and in multiple different ways you took that experience away mm-hmm. so this wasn't a fair shot this was disrespectful to me I, I'd be looking for an apology for that before I care about the acknowledgement over diluting flavor one way or the other yeah so that's my take on it
1: yeah I honestly I again you're not an asshole Remy but you're – this is worth a dialogue. It is worth just standing up for yourself enough to say, hey, um, I understand you want an apology. And, and, you know, maybe be open to maybe apologizing for not being more communicative. Sure. I think, I think that would be fair. Yeah. But you haven't talked to them. You haven't told them, hey, this made me really uncomfortable. Hey, it bothers me that you messed with my recipe, that you then took my stuff. And you just used it otherwise without really discussing it with me. Yeah. I do understand it's your kitchen. I do understand I didn't speak up in the moment about it. That's uh, a good point though. They they cook your food. Yeah. I go right back to the fuck you. That's
0: incredibly rude. Yeah,
1: it's it's it is worth calling out. This does not need to be a screaming match. No. Like you 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 put in all caps and bold, of course you're going to lose a lot of flavor if you do like, like, okay, I get that. You don't have to scream about this but it is worth taking the like, 30 seconds of courage it takes to go hey listen, these are the things that made me really uncomfortable about this.
0: This Yes, and, and I'm giving a smile that's giving Alex pause. Here, here's what I would do, Team Chaos. You, you offer to have another conversation in person you bring them over to your place and before they show up you cook the dish as intended and be like let's settle this and apologize and make up over a nice spaghetti bolognese
1: i could see so many ways i could backfire but then again <laughs> I, i'm a worst case scenario thinker indeed uh you want to get to the poison one
0: uh yeah because there's a poison one
1: <laughs> all right uh, what are we at time wise
0: we are at fifty-two minutes. I say let's let's make this the last one. We we're, we're doing four, two, and two. I'm, I'm finding so I think that's going to be our clip for these okay. episodes. All right,
1: I'm not mad about it. All right, I, thirty-six year old male, suspect my brother-in-law, forty-eight male, of poisoning his son, eighteen year old male.
0: Without even having read this, and I'm probably going to regret laughing. This this makes me laugh.
1: Oh God! All right, think about about a name for this shit about 13 years ago i had a conversation with my brother-in-law in which he unexpectedly brought up that he poisons his child whenever the child gets on his nerves and that he would never give him too much to kill the child as he isn't a monster he stated the poison was tasteless and odorless and small doses were undetectable in blood tests he then backtracked and said he was joking and would never do that i discussed this with my partner at the time who said he had mentioned trying to design rodent traps My sister's child has had stomach issues all his life. I mentioned this to my sister and suggested a urine test to confirm if the poison was or was not present. My sister then had an argument with her husband in which he denied poisoning the child. (laughs) The child had just turned 18 and still has stomach issues and displays symptoms that could be related to mild poisoning. The stomach issues have caused him to pull out of school and remain undiagnosed, although multiple tests have been ran. I don't want to ruin my relationship with my sister, who has been a huge support to me in my life. My brother-in-law is a manipulator and schemer, which has led him to be wealthy, and my sister admits at times that she wonders if difficult situations he places her in are deliberate and he doesn't have a great relationship with her or the kids. How do I suggest a simple urine test could remove all suspicion or confirm my fears? You got a name?
0: Based off just the poisoning of it, this, this makes me think of the Dread Pirate Roberts. Are, uh.
1: Oh, really? I thought of like Yzma and Cusco. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, that's fair. Oh. Uh, I'm good with either one. What do you think? Yzma and Cusco, and that makes the wife Kronk. Pull the lever, Kronk. Wrong lever!
0: Oh. Why do we even have that lever? And I suppose our question asker can be Pacha.
1: You know what? I like that. Pacha, Emperor's new groove. <laughs>
0: So I bring up the Princess Bride because that's one of the most famous instances of media of, you know, Wesley doses himself with Iocane powder to develop a resistance to it so that he can drink poison against, uh, what's his face, Vassini, and and, and kill him. And that is not how poison works. Just going to dispel that notion for anybody right now. You don't. You don't dose yourself with small like bits of rattlesnake venom so that you can get bit by a rattlesnake and survive. Poisons and counterpoisons are a thing. Oftentimes, one kind of poison or venom can be like used in a medicinal purpose against something else. Mm-hmm. However, this is like deeply disturbing.
1: Iocane powder is fake anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a fictional. Poison.
0: Indeed, but just you know, you, to get my point across, this is really gross. That everything else aside, that your brother-in-law, like, just kind of shooting the shit, was like, "Oh yeah, no, I I poisoned my kid." It's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. When he pisses me off, just give him a little bit of poison, and then he's like sick for the rest of the weekend. It's great. Um. That is some like. That is some shit out of a TV show where then he is like trying to gaslight you in front of his wife, your sister, about, no, of course I don't. What are you talking about? I'm a little unclear on why the urine test is so simple, especially when they said there have been multiple tests on the kid um, Mm. and nothing came up. I suppose we're meant to infer that. One of those tests was not a a urine test. Well, and
1: also apparently he said small doses were undetectable in blood tests. Right. Which presumably that might be why it wouldn't have been coming up in any of the hospital tests if they were all blood tests.
0: Right. This feels like this kind of weird Munchausen by proxy, but not really because it's not actually... Munchausen by proxy, just the idea that, like, the, the, so Yzma has developed a narrative in Pacha's mind that leads to doubt whether or not Cusco is being poisoned. Yeah. And then the fact that Cusco has, for Cusco's entire life, had a history of medical issues and stomach illnesses, which then reinforces the poisoning thing.
1: I feel like there's one very simple point here. Why doesn't Pacha just go straight to Cusco, who's 18? That's a good point. Cusco's eighteen. Cusco could and and Pacha could even offer to like pay for the test. Yeah. Just be like, hey Cusco. Like, I have a suspicion about a thing. Like and you know what if Cusco's like not if Cusco's a reasonable kid, just be like, "Hey, I, your dad makes this crack all the time. Would you be willing to do this? Like, can we take you to your doctor? I'll pay for it. You know, go get. Next time you're having a really horrible stomach attack, just like, can we go to your doctor and get a urine test? Yeah, and just see what what the tox screen comes back as. Yeah, um, you know there there is um you know adult social services." And it might not be... It's, and here's the thing. By all accounts, Isma has made this crack a lot in a lot of places. So if you even wanted to, you could make a wellness call and be anonymous about it. Because it sounds like he talks about this shit plenty.
0: Well, does it or does it, or does it seem like he mentioned it once and, and Pacha remembers that.
1: Well, Pacha says that at one point... He talked to. Did they say that he talked to his partner? I discussed this with my partner, who said he had mentioned trying uh, trying to design rodent traps. Never mind.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's something that that Yzma said one time thirteen years ago, and pa- it's always just stuck in Pasha's mind. Especially with Cusco having these medical problems, I still think that your point is valid where you could go to cusco you could go to kronk the sister of the question asker who has like voiced some already un- like unrelated doubts and worries about isma's behavior as a manipulator and a gaslighter, wondering like specifically, she wonders if difficult situations he places her in are deliberate, and he doesn't have a great relationship with her. And the kids, yeah, sounds like he got some some viable options there for either he's either Krunk or Cusco to go. No, we're gonna go do the urine test thing, and like wh- you can't stop us. Yeah, don't, don't and Cusco's eighteen. Exactly. Like, don't tell Yzma that you're going to go do this. Just go and do this one day. And then you presumably, if this actually
1: does show up in a urine test, which
0: I don't think we have any proof that it even would.
1: Yeah. um, There is. There's a thing that comes up in a number of our questions, which is someone being like, I don't want to ruin my relationship with X, but there is Y situation. And sometimes the why situation is something relatively innocuous. Someone will be upset, someone will be offended, something like that. Theoretically, this could be a life and death situation. Yeah. And at least for me, when it comes down to a life and death situation, you should be willing to risk those relationships. Yeah. Because if Kronk honestly is like, no, fuck you, I am offended that you care enough about my son to be concerned if he's being poisoned. That sounds like a crunk problem.
0: There is also the 13 years of it all. There is. Cusco is 18 now. Pacha heard about this 13 years ago. So ostensibly Pacha heard his five-year-old nephew was potentially being poisoned and sat on it. Like that was the moment to call CPS and just like get a talk screen done or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, apparently Pacha says that at some point he mentioned it to the sister, to Kronk. Yeah. And Kronk then had an argument with her husband where he made the denial, but they don't say when in that 13 year period that conversation took place.
0: Right. So potentially a lot of culpabilities going on here. I think the solution right now is clear. Cusco is an 18-year-old. Cusco can, like, make the decision, the informed decision from Poch's advice to, like, go figure out this medical procedure that would theoretically determine whether or not he's been poisoned we also don't know what poison is we don't know how the poison's been been given is it is is he putting it in his sandwiches and saying it's salt what the fuck's going on here yeah um so a lot of like missing variables a lot of potential culpability but directly an answer to how do i suggest a simple urine test could remove all suspicion or confirm my fears is you go to the kid
1: yeah you go to the 18 year old and say, listen, we didn't want to, like, like we didn't know how to talk about this. I know it's years after the fact. Like, forgive me for that, please. But here's where things are for me. You, I assume that it's not going to be a giant surprise that Pacha isn't Yzma's biggest fan. But basically be like, listen, this was a comment your dad made years ago. It's never sat well with me you're 18 now, so I can just go to you with this. Um, again, I'm happy to pay for it. But how would you feel about taking a urine test to see if this is a thing? And if it's if it's not, I'll I'll own it. I'll, I'll apologize. I'll take all responsibility for that. But I care about you. And I care about your well being. And I just want to know if this is fucking happening.
0: Yeah, really, the only consequence is the urine test doesn't come back saying it and then like, Cusco thinks you're an asshole saying that this is the reason why he's been sick his whole life but that is worth determining whether or not his father is poisoning him
1: and i'm also of the opinion that there is room in this for yzma to find out about it and be offended and be like that was a joke i made 13 years ago and you go well that's a pretty fucked up joke for you to have for your kid so you will forgive me for being concerned
0: Absolutely true. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah. All right. Should we call it there? I think we'll call it there. Thank you for coming on this merry band of relationship questions with us yet again, dear listeners. If you have a relationship question, one that we can then verify actually happened as you suggested it, I am saying if you give us a relationship question, we will believe it hands down no matter how fantastical. Also, the more serious way to say that is we will believe you, <laughs> even if it feels like no one else does. Yeah. You can send those relationship questions to love, hate, relationship Podcast at gmail.com, where we promise we'll listen to them.
1: That's right. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Uh, you can also rate and or review us on any and or all of those platforms. We're told it helps people find the show. Uh, you can also... I guess still follow us on Twitter at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. You know, check out what we're tweeting about uh, when we tweet or send us your questions there.
0: Absolutely. Twitter is a ship that... We are going down with. I suppose we should start figuring out if we want to get on other socials. Mm. Um, but until then, you can follow me, Andy Bowell, at JovoCop2113 on Twitter. You can follow my art page, Andy's underscore minis, where I'm painting various models and stuff like that. And you can follow my other podcast, Cult Fiction, that I have with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson, at Cult Fiction Cast. You can find Cult Fiction everywhere you can find LHR.
1: You can uh, follow me. Technically on Twitter, where I'm followed by Gabriel Iglesias for some reason. Uh, also followed by Cory Booker. That one's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I have a U.S. senator following me on Twitter. You can also follow me on TikTok, where I have not logged in for the better part of the last year. More realistically, you can follow me on Instagram, as well as Chess.com and Lichess, of at course. a underscore x underscore r u i z. Thanks for listening, y'all. As ever, please tell your enemies.